CCFM 107.5. And I'm going to be chatting to two gentlemen I have a big, big respect for. Uh, the one, Pastor Craven Engel, as well as Albert Matthews. And uh, I want to be chatting to them about um, what they are doing in regards to all the violence and crime and things that's happening, especially in Nova Park where uh, they have their ceasefire uh, um, initiative that they are running. And... Uh, as of late, a lot of um, these uh, drive-by shootings or shootings in our communities, that's really its ugly hit. But uh, these guys have uh, a reputation also of um, brokering peace in the communities and helping with uh, the programs uh, to turn lives around. So let me quickly say hello to these gentlemen. Pastor Engel and Albert, hello. Welcome to LTC. Hi. Hello, Marco. Hello, Pastor Engel. I'm Engel. glad that we are on your show and we are live. Last time I had you in the studio, so so, yeah. unfortunately, again, with, with COVID, uh, we've just decided to do telephonic interviews. So, uh, happy to connect with you. I think you guys have something important to say in regards to especially all of the violence. And especially in these last couple of weeks, we had flared up a lot. But um, you've been at work uh, for years now in a Nova Park and surrounds uh, in um, bringing solutions um, or being part of the solution uh, to what happens in our communities. And Albert, are you there? I could offer a lunch, lunch time to Nick's family and Mr. Marcus Jacob. I think uh, Albert is almost part of the family. He's always here at CCFM <laughs> for some reason or other. But um, let me quickly uh, bring in Pastor Craven Engel and uh, let's talk. Let's talk about ceasefire Hanover Park. Uh, Pastor Engel, for those who do not know what it's about, let's take it back to. Um, how it came about uh, in terms of starting this up in Nova Park? Yeah, Marco, I think, you know, if you get placed in a community as a minister, you look at the issues in that particular community and how are you going to bring about change. And one of the issues that stood out like a sore finger, it was violence. And there was almost no solution for the violence. So we engaged with a particular program in 2002 already. Uh, we navigated ourselves to say, let us uh, look at a program how to reduce the violence. And we, we staggered over, or we fell over our feet here and there. But later we managed to get a program in place, you know. And this was talking to the transport of violence directly and engaging the person that actually transports the violence from individual to individual. And in 2010, we actually then came across a fantastic program, scientifically driven, and also uh, a data-driven, scientifically proven, and it had all the pillars in place. That's exactly what we did, but now it's a university program in the University of Chicago, Illinois, by Dr. Gary Slatkin. And then we forged a partnership between him and ourselves, and we started rolling out that particular program. And that pro- program, I mean, was successful in reducing violence with 43% over two years if we introduce it with all the pillars. So it's a fantastic mm. program. Mm. It identifies and detects the violence, it interrupts the violence, and it then changes the behaviors of the community. And those, you know, obviously that takes violence as normal. So th- those programs were all based on a specialized database that we've later, we've later then upgraded that into a real-time database. So as violence happens in the streets or amongst high-risk individuals, amongst the gangs, we could in real time monitor that violence via the shot spotter and the ceasefire app. But our, our, our most uh, valuable asset was our interrupter. It's the guy that we've trained over the years to become violent interrupters. And they were 
ex gang members comes from prison comes out of high risk activities so we train and develop them and they become public health professionals so these is the most valuable asset of the program and they work in the streets from day to day mediating conflicts looking at the conflicts in fact they could they could predict the violence because of the systems we had in place and mm. all the information that the uh, interrupters and outreach workers captured you know so it's a very simple methodology but yet it is very effective and it uses local community members it does not import anyone from anywhere the only thing it imports is the fact that it imports uh, data devices real time technology but the staff that works for the program was local community members sure. and i mean that was the greatest asset of the program and i'm going to get back to you but i want to bring albert into the conversation albert also happens to be your son in law of course and also congratulations albert on 13 years of sobriety i remember your 10th anniversary of that very very well Jere weet wat gebeurde daar aan, aan de 1st of June, three years ago. Enemy wanted to take me out, but I'm still here. I'm still here and happy to be here. But let's talk about your involvement with Ceasefire. Uh, Albert and uh, Pastor Craven spoke about um, being interrupters, basically, in the community. But let's have your take on that. Uh, give us your experience of how you guys go about in the community to, like you say, let's change the ending. Yeah. So, so, so my 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 job description in in, in the ceasefire methodology, I was an outreach worker. Um, so we have the pillar of having our violent interrupters, which is the ones that go out, they they, they, they detect the violence and they interrupt the violence. But what my job task was more to kind of change the norm. So when a high risk individual, so we 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 don't call it gangsters, we call it high risk individual. Uh, when a high-risk individual comes and says, and, and the violent interrupter has identified that this is an individual that wants to be helped, then I would um, step in and then I would do a risk reduction form with the high-risk individual. So whenever the high-risk individual then um, wants to be helped with, then that becomes my task. So even if he needs to go for an ID, he wants to find a job, he wants to go and say, okay, I need my driver's license, I want to open a business. Whatever it is that the high-risk individuals can put on the risk reduction form, that becomes my thought. So I kind of take the journey on with the individual kind of to change the norm. So it was maybe normal for him to stand on the corner of the streets, rob people, shoot him with guns. So now what I do is kind of just change their behaviors. But what we need to do is we need to model the behavior to them as well. So it's not just about getting into certain institutions and stuff like that, but it's also as, as kind of a mentorship that we have. So we kind of um, take them and take them by the hand and we, we walk the journey with them. Um, and that, that is kind of the task of the, 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 the outreach worker. And the, the violent interrupters were more um, high-level um, gang members, ex-gang members that come out of the gang system um, because their task was kind of to interrupt the violence and you kind of needed to, um, with the gang culture, there's different codes. So they understood every code in the gang culture. Therefore, they were used as violent interrupters and we kind of had a more softer approach as the outreach workers. Pastor Craven, I, I want to talk to you and um, of course you are a pastor um, that works in that community but our communities are fed up and uh, we hear the cries of our mothers, of our families in regards to um, 
especially the perpetrators and um, Albert calls them or you guys call them high risk individuals and we know um, there's nothing too hard for God in terms of turning people around and we've we've seen um, the stories of how people has been turned around I've seen people in plays where you guys have done it at the Artscape all of that but in terms of the people's cries um, out there Pastor Craven how do you guys manage that and for yourself as well having to work in that type of en- environment what hope is there for the people yeah you know Mark that, that's the first thing that came up many years ago that you know you are working with perpetrators and what about the victims and the rest of the community so simultaneously we put a lot of stuff in place so we run serious youth development programs we're running two uh, colleges locally we're running a feeding program where we feed over 800 people every day. We run a fitness club here. We've got a halfway house where people can send the kids that's on substance. So we've got a more holistic approach. We're even running an urban garden where people can come and study uh, agriculture. So we've got that holistic approach. But the reason why this program zooms in on the transport of violence is because this one individual, you know, he transmits the violence through the whole community. And then everything falls apart. Line departments don't come in, social workers don't come in. Nobody does projects in the community. They just say, no, there's a play up of violence. So I'll take what if we can quarantine the transport of violence. It's the same like an epidemic, you know, based on epidemiology. So I'll take what if we can quarantine the transport of violence, we look almost likely can be contaminated with this kind of behavior and get them out of the way, get them in positive programs, then immediately the violence calms down and the rest of the community can live, you know, in a safe space and programs can be done. Uh, people can go to church norm, uh, like, like normal. So everything normalizes when a transport of violence is quarantined. So, but similar to, you know, to, to, to uh, hospital response. So that's why my guys are called first responders. And some of them are also hospital responders. Mm. They also go out to be a conflict between gangs in their homes, on the street. We also take them to a secluded place where maybe four or five gangs get together, we mediate the conflict. All of this is to reduce the violence. If you can stop the violence on the front end, obviously you've reduced violence long term as well. Because now, you know, now people wait for a reactive response. So law enforcement comes, so, uh, you know, uh, the medics come, so, you know, uh, the pathology department comes. So all of that costs millions of runs. Over 20 days to clean up an act of violence mm. can easily cost three and a half million. If I have a first responder out there to prevent the violence or to stop the retaliation, we've saved almost, you know, how much million do you save if you can stop the violence at the front end? So that was our tech in starting it. But we also looked at the rest of the community. What is their need mm. and how can we solve their needs? But at the end of the day, if there's violence in a community, there's a gang fight. Nothing happens because there's a gang fight. Everything comes to a standstill. Mm. And government deploys army and metro police and SAPs and what have you. That's millions of dollars around that get spent to deploy those people over 20 days. And at the end of the day, we could have prevented that happening. The money could have been used in a better way uh, to serve the community, to uplift the community, to upgrade the areas, you know. Because violence is not only a social problem. Mm. You also get what we call situational crime. Mm. The way the place has been built, you know, the infrastructure, the urban displacement, that also creates a lot of violence. Then you get something we call situational crime prevention. There's no institutions where you can really send people. The only place is prison. And our prisons, 41,000 
I mean, a waiting crowd prisoners. I'm not lying to you. They only have space for 11,000. Sure. To accommodate 11,000, what are we going to do with the rest of them? I mean, you've got like a room for 30 people and there's 120 in the room. So the justice system just supposed to step back out to get the bail of 200, 300 grand. The case is gone, the docket is gone, and the people just come back home. So our take was, why don't we engage and alter the behavior of these transporters? Because there's not a situational crime prevention plan. There's not an institutional crime prevention plan. So let us engage with a social crime prevention plan where we as a church, as men of God, mm. we can engage our own communities. And lucky for us, God has graced us. The 60 pastors currently on training in the metro to understand how can they also add value by reducing violence on the front end. So this is not our fight alone. I mean, a lot of people are getting involved. So it's not like a ceasefire program. It's yeah. now become a community engagement program. Yeah. And then it had to start somewhere. And we need to speak some hope into the situation uh, before yes, we end. Right. Albert... Um, I'm going to use Hanover Park um, as a microcosm for other communities as well. And I do believe great people come out of communities like that. And uh, I want to ask you this question. What good can come from Hanover Park? Well, uh, there's so much good that can come from Hanover Park. Even when you look at some of the projects that we currently present, one of the new projects we present with is kind of putting Hanover Park on the map as a tourist destination. And we have had um, two successful tours already where um, people came into an old block and they explored an old block and kind of what we do is just changing the narrative. And a noble block has so much more to offer, man. And that's why we as an organization, it is to change the narrative to so that there is so much more to a noble block than what you are seeing on the news and on social media because um, this great thing that is happening in Noble Park. If you look at my own life, it's like I came from an area like Kensington and I moved into a Noble Park, but it's in a Noble Park where I changed my life. So there is good that can happen in a Noble Park. It's just that what we need to do is we just want to change the narrative of what people is reading and seeing about the Noble Park. And what we are doing is maybe just a drop in the ocean, but it's creating a ripple effect. No, I love that. And uh, I, I want to leave probably the last words before we get to contact details to Pastor Craven. And uh, you know what? I need more time with you, of course, to really delve into um, the the root causes and all of that. But for now, um, we're using you as an example uh, to others. And like you said, the thing is no longer just about ceasefire in Nova Park and it's uh, really branched out to further. So let's give some hope to our people out there, Pastor Craven. Um, I'm going to give you some time just to speak into that before we get back to Albert to give us some details. Yeah. No, Marco, for me, you know, I, I, I've got this sound uh, that, you know, change is possible, you know, and no a community or no church is too small to impact their community. So, I mean, we are a small church and we've impacted not only our own community, but we've impacted also the Western Cape of Africa and we've got programs running internationally now and we've got, I mean, four universities actually buying in on our programs. So the hope I want to leave with people, man, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Mm, mm. Don't think your ministry is too small, you know. Even that small little cup can overflow and yes. the overflow can run into the community and people can benefit from the overflow of your small ministry. So get involved. You can bring a part change in your community. I want to tell people, get involved. Don't wait for somebody to 
come and bring change. You are the change in your community. Awesome. Albert, people's already asking for contact details. How do they contact uh, Ceasefire? Okay, so um, our landline number is 021-201-6516. And um, my, um, my personal phone number is also 74 Double eight, double nine, oh five six, and um, I don't know, Paul. May I give your number as well? Yes, my number you can give, Albert. Okay, so Paul's number is oh seven four. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just so it's so fixing my phone, but it's oh seven four six oh one nine eight six seven. That's my cell number, and we also have another landline. 021-691-4012. Okay, I know, Albert, you can send me all those details as well. And uh, when the listeners want it, then I can forward it on to them. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for your time today. This is not the last of the conversation. I think we need to delve in deeper. And our people need hope. And uh, there's nothing as positive as having hope. And so we need to get that. So I want to thank you for your time, Albert and uh, Pastor Craven. Till next time, God bless you. Thank you, Marco. Yes, you Awesome. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was Albert Matthews as well as Pastor Craven Engel. They're from Ceasefire in Anova Park, and that's part of the first community resource center. CCFM 107.5.